On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So again, as we this week take a look at Jesus, who is our remedy, I think our gospel reading poses a kind of an underlying question. Are we interested in just treating symptoms, or are we looking for a cure? And once again, I think the gospel reading today causes us, or should cause us, to probe a little bit deeper into our lives to find out what truly is ailing us. Because as you all know, over the last year, we have been absolutely consumed with our physical health, about getting a vaccine and wearing masks and distancing and doing everything we can to get over this pandemic, and rightly so. And then we've also been consumed with our emotional and our psychological health and everything, all the effects that this pandemic is having on us, and again, rightly so. But the question is this, have we we been as concerned with our spiritual wellness? About diagnosing and then preventing the infection of sin in our lives, which when we leave that unchecked, it causes inflammation in our souls, and it can spread contagiously then to others who maybe join in our vices with us, or perhaps because of our behavior, we wound them and we poison them. Are we as concerned about spiritual death as much as we are physical death? Because when you step back and you think about it, I mean, physical death is a given, right? We all know we're going to die unless Jesus comes again. But here's the thing. Spiritual death is preventable. I find this gospel reading somewhat simple, but also so beautifully touching. It's just sort of an account of kind of a day in the life of Jesus. But you have these little vignettes. Jesus so gently lifting up Simon Peter's mother-in-law and raising her up and healing her of that fever. And then the word gets out and, and the whole village is standing at the door of Peter's house looking to get into Jesus. And that Jesus then would spend the whole night making sure that he saw every one of them healing and casting out demons, taking time for each and every person. It's not very hard for us to see ourselves right there outside the house, at the door, standing in line, waiting to get to Jesus, hoping that He's going to help us. I mean, what this gospel reminds us of is that our Lord cares deeply about our suffering. That our Lord still heals us today. There are times in which He still does miracles when someone is healed without any kind of medical explanation. 
but it's also how He heals us through modern medicine. And the knowledge and the wisdom and the skills and the technology that He has given to us, how the very hands and the very voices of doctors and nurses and paramedics and counselors and, and many, many others, they become the very healing hands and the soothing voice of Jesus who relieves our suffering as they live out their vocations. When this homily is over, I'd like to have a special prayer this morning for all of our medical professionals and paramedics and all who work to bring us that healing. We'll come back to that in a moment. But in this story, after all of this healing, then Jesus does something kind of odd, doesn't He? He has their attention now. But instead of getting up the next morning and, and doing more miracles and healing more people, Jesus pulls away. First, He he goes off into the wilderness to pray, to tend to his own soul, to make sure that his relationship with his Father is healthy and strong. It's an example we can all learn from and we should think about. But when Peter and the gang finally catch up to him and says, you know, everyone is looking for you, Jesus. Well, go figure. They want him to do more healing. Jesus says this very odd thing. He says, nope, we're going to move on to the next town because I need to go preach. See, healing was a major part of Jesus' ministry, no doubt, but it wasn't the main thing. He came to preach. And a couple of weeks ago, we heard as we looked into the Gospel of Mark, into those first few verses, we heard what Jesus preaches about. It says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the Gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the Gospel. See, when you think about it, what the people wanted was for Jesus to treat their symptoms. Physical or emotional or psychological, psychological illness are all symptoms of a broken, sinful world. They all point to a deeper spiritual problem that we have, a disease that we have. That we are cut off by our sin from our Lord, who is he is our, our life, our wholeness. He is the one who gives us health. But cut off from Him, we, go, we grow sick and we die. But this is precisely what Jesus came to cure. And He's given us in His preaching the treatment. Repent. Believe the good news. In His ministry, Jesus didn't heal everyone. He doesn't always heal us now. And we don't know. We don't know why sometimes He does and sometimes He doesn't. But when Jesus did do miracles, they always had a greater purpose. Every miracle was a sign of a greater healing. So just take, for example, Peter's mother-in-law. If we were to translate it in the Greek a little more literally, it's something like, and coming to her, He raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she served them. What a beautiful picture. Can, can you see the sign in it immediately? It's, it's kind of right out there in the front, isn't it? Taking away her fever only treated her symptoms. She would eventually die. But the cure is when Jesus comes and He takes every one of us by the hand and raises us up from the dead. Not a fever. No, no, no. Death will leave us forever. He will raise us up body and soul, healthy, whole, and strong to live forever will rise, will get up to serve. 
Just like she did. We'll get up to serve because, see, when we serve, we're loving God and we're loving one another. I mean, what a beautiful picture, not just for the last day when Jesus returns. What a beautiful picture for what Jesus does in our lives right now because when we fall down miserably and we collapse in our failure and in our sin, Jesus reaches out and He takes us by the hand and He raises us up. Just when we think that we're ruined, He lifts us up in His mercy and His grace. And then, once He reconciles us and restores us and repairs us, we get up to serve, to love again. See, that's what Jesus came to give us. Not just to treat the symptoms, but to give us a cure. We are all deeply wounded. We are sick with sin. But here we are, friends. We're standing at the door looking to get in to Jesus so that He can heal us and forgive us. And He's given us the treatment. Repent. Believe the good news. I can't believe it, but just a week and a half from now, we enter that premier season of repentance, the season of Lent. As we start getting ready for that, my friends, this Lent especially, let's be deeply concerned about our spiritual health. Let's come for treatment, for healing from Jesus. Let's repent. To repent is more than just to stop sinning. I mean, it is that. Stop sinning. (laughs) But the word repent really means to turn. To turn to God. To turn to Jesus. He is that cure. He is that remedy. So as we wrap up this short little series, I want to talk about two great gifts that Jesus has left to His church for healing. The first one is the anointing of oil for healing. Just a few chapters later in Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends out his disciples and he says, it says there, that they cast out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. James in his epistle then picks up on this and he instructs us with these words, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So when we anoint for healing, we ask that if it is God's will that he would grant that healing right now. But ultimately, we anoint because it is a sign. It's a reminder to us that Jesus is with us in the midst of our suffering. And it's a pledge to us that he will heal us if not now, on that last day when He raises us up body and soul. After our closing song, after the Eucharist this morning, I will offer anointing for anyone who would like to have healing of their body, their heart, or their mind. And during Lent, after the midweek services as we did last year, I'll offer it as well. I'll also be available for private confession if you want that. And I'm always available anytime, anytime, by appointment to get together with you and to bring this healing to you. And so let me go to that second gift of healing that he's given the church, which is the sacrament of confession. My friends, the Lord gave this to us to heal our hearts and our relationships. Why do so few of us so rarely come to confession, myself included? 
well, you know, it is. It's like getting a shot or maybe more like having surgery or chemotherapy. The treatment is very painful at first. It's painful to open up our hearts and to expose our wounds and our vulnerabilities and the things of which we're ashamed. But what Jesus wants to do in this wonderful sacrament is very tenderly to remove those tumorous sins within you and take them away so that you can heal. He wants to stop the infection from spreading inside of you. He wants to take you by the hand and lift you up and put you back on your feet again. You might be ashamed. You might be embarrassed. You might think that your sin is too great or that it's too late for you and you're beyond repair. But I'm telling you, my friends, that the forgiveness and the mercy that Jesus gives to us and then specifically pours out on us in this great sacrament, His healing is always greater than your sin. Always. And if that's true, then why are you living with that? Why are you carrying it around with you each and every day? Isn't it time to be healed? Come to Jesus. Come to Him. He is the remedy. He is the cure. See, here's the thing, my friends. We're not standing at the door outside hoping we will get in. You're actually next in line. And Jesus is ready to meet you and to bring you His healing. Where does He need to heal you?